you know, as, as time goes on and on, as we become more and more familiar, you know, it does get more and more like family. But, you know, like family, sometimes the more you know someone, sometimes the more prickly you can get, and, you know, the more tricky it gets. And, uh, you know, as we go through uh, these steps as we are today and continuing for, I think, about another three or four in this series, it's really about us all being on this journey together. So the series is called What's Next? And I'm just going to review quickly what we've been going through. And this is our vision to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. This is really why we exist. And so our model we presented a few weeks back of how we do this is really four steps to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. And so this really makes it easy so we all know the steps that we're going to take as we go through this journey together. So what's next? Well, today we begin the next step. The first step was to know God. And um, we really talked about that a few weeks ago when I really shared the beginning is when we learn that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And that by us accepting Jesus and becoming really a, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, that he justifies us, which means he saves us. And then from there on, as we go through these steps, we, we're doing it. That's the starting point. And um, it's, it's a really beautiful thing as we look at how we know God. Now, let me just remind you, it's not knowing here. Okay, we can all know here. It's knowing here. Okay, you, you know the difference, right? It's, it's knowing from our heart in a way that we, you know, are connected to God. And it's not just, we come to church and we sing songs and we hear, hear the sermon, but, but are you really connecting? When you leave here, are you really in a relationship with Him? Are you taking time to get to know Him more daily? And uh, of course we do that through letting Him speak to us through His Word, through uh, us speaking back to Him through prayer, and, and, and just thanking Him daily for His saving us. You know, we don't, we don't deserve it. We could never earn it. But he's done the greatest thing that he could do, ever do for us. And that is to actually pay the price of our sin for us. So this first step is so important. And the fact is we're all pretty messed up. You know, I stand before you and I tell you, I messed up. You know, I could go through all the things that have caused me to be messed up. And uh, you could probably do the same if we're all honest. We're pretty messed up, but Jesus loves us. He sees what's good in us. We all have it in us, especially as we allow him to live through us. And as we enter this relationship, then we no longer have our identity in um, anything but who we are in Christ. So it's not how smart I am, how well-spoken I am, or how much money I have. I am who I am in Christ. Therefore, nothing else really matters. And then we went to the next part of this know God. And Lockheed did a brilliant job of receiving this rhythm. And uh, this rhythm is really important to us, especially as Seventh-day Adventists. It's in our name. The rhythm of going right back to Genesis at creation. The one, two, three, four, five, six, stop. One, two, three, four, five, six, stop. 
we think that rhythm is important. We, we think it's so important that we we don't want to um, we don't want to get off track. We want to keep it the way God. Because when God created this world, He actually said He blessed the seventh day, made it holy. And to us, the seventh day Adventist, we think that's important. And so we want to honor that. We want to honor God by keeping His day special. Now that, that day started, and really in the Garden of Eden, that cycle started. That rhythm. And so they probably didn't, well, I know they didn't go to a building to worship God. They, they, they do, where I like worshiping God, really get fed is when I go out in nature and see His beauty and His creation. What an evidence of the God we serve when we see nature. But see, we have a problem. And um, as much as we try to know God, we're still messed up. And we have a, a broken heart. Is your heart broken? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of us think back, well, I first had a broken heart when I was in about grade six or seven. I had my first girlfriend or boyfriend and they broke my heart. Well, that's minor compared to probably some of the other things that have broken our heart, you know, that have hurt us deeply, that have um, caused us much pain. And so that's really what we're going to get to today. Many of you know that um, in, in, in my journey with Karen and I, we, we went a long time without having a child. We were finally given the miracle of Samuel, our oldest boy who's 14 now. But at age four, we had to let him, he didn't really have a choice, but we had to give him to a surgeon who sawed open his chest, stopped his heart to try to repair it. Now, it was fairly successful, but his heart will never be perfect. But I'm here to tell you today that we all have broken hearts. We all have damaged hearts, and we all need heart surgery. You know, the good news is the greatest surgeon, the surgeon who's also the designer and the creator of our hearts, wants to help heal our hearts. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, as we talked about how we, uh, we've all sinned, we all have this problem, but through Christ we are saved, and, and He wants to heal us and make us whole. And um, I'm so thankful for that. But this next step, so once we know God, we've accepted His salvation, what happens next? Well, that's what finding freedom is all about. Because finding freedom, as we get to that, is all about us, um, really discovering how we can actually begin this healing process. Um, and as we go through this, I hope that you'll find that it speaks to all of us in, in a, where we're at. Because we're all here and we all think differently. Because of our journey, we all we can read the same verse, we can uh, sing the same song, but all of us really uh, experience it differently. Why? Because it's all based on where we have come from and what's brought us to be where we are now. But God wants to free us. He wants to free us from the, the bondage of sin. Many of the songs that we've sang this morning and as we close with a really beautiful song today too is, is one of the most powerful ones in, in recent for, for me personally is, is that how God's freed us, freed us from fear, freed us from all the things that stop us from being all God wants us to be. God wants to settle 
all of our yesterdays once and for all. But you know, that baggage of our past continues to burden us and hold us down. You know, it's like all those burdens are on our back and they just keep us from really moving and, and, and going forward like we should. And God says, hey, I'm gonna take those burdens. I wanna take them off you so you can walk lightly and freely and, and, and experience life to the full. You know, unfortunately, as I grew up in church, it wasn't a real happy place. I don't know why. I'm much, maybe I'm older and more mature now, but I, I think my kids find it pretty happy. They look forward to church. And I'm glad I'm part of a church that I think is a happy place. Where even singing today, I look out there and I see passion. I see people being really worshiping God from their hearts, you know. That's a powerful thing. That's really what church is meant to be like. And, and, and I love being part of a church like that. And I want to just encourage us to not be, to, to not hold back, to not be afraid to smile, not be afraid to say kind words to each other, because that's what finding freedom, if you look at our model, finding freedom is really founding in us coming together in community in smaller groups. And I've often said here in this church that as we get bigger, we need to get smaller. Okay, so that means you need to be meeting in a smaller groups where you're connecting and sharing and praying and, and that's where real growth happens if you're only coming to church during the worship on sabbath morning you're missing out from really god giving you the freedom that he wants to give you i mean um some of the the four the four um p's is often called pain past problems and people the four p's you know we all have those things in our life and we need to allow god to help us deal with those things and help us to become the best version of you you can be. And I'm certainly not the best version of me I can be, but I know that I've grown and I continue to grow as I continue to let God free me from that baggage, from those things that are, are, are holding me back. You know, God wants us to settle yesterday's problems and have, have a better tomorrow when we do that. But unfortunately, we let those things hold us back. We let those things continue to hold us bondage, hold us prisoners. God says, hey, I don't want you to be burdened with all those things. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things, made choices that we regret. We've all gone through experiences where we have had pain. We've had sadness. We've had things that have come back to bite us but you know the message today this finding freedom is something that really allows us to take christianity to the next level because it allows us to go from christianity being all about going through motions going through doing things to, to being actually experiencing life to the full and there's a couple of verses here i want to share with you that are very powerful here here in psalms david says planted in the house of the lord they will what flourish in the courts of God. I mean, God, this is what he wants for us. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to grow. You know, we've seen a lot of flourishing in the recent weeks that we finally got rain, you know, and, and many times, you know, we're like the country of, the, of Australia when it's in a drought, you know, we're, we're, we're a bit dead and dried out and cracking. But, you know, when the rain comes down, when the rain of God's spirit fills us, suddenly, you know, we're not dead. We're just a bit dormant. And suddenly we begin to blossom and flourish. And this is what God wants for our lives. We must pick up 
and, and, and make sure we're planted. You know, we have a choice what we're planting ourselves in. And every day, you know, we, we have choices. And, um, excuse me, um, to really survive as a Christian, um, we need to make wise choices. But unfortunately, a lot of times we make those choices because we think, well, I'm going to sacrifice this because that's what it takes to get to heaven. You know, there's some, something about we think we got to give up all the good things to, to experience being saved and going to heaven. This is a lie of the evil one. Okay, let me repeat that. This is a lie. God wants us to experience life and experience the full. And that's what the next text here uh, is a very powerful text. It begins by telling us really what happens when we're living of the flesh of the world. It says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. This is what happens when we decide not to live by the Spirit, not to accept the free gift, to live by the flesh, then, you know, we're just like the thief. We're just getting whatever for me, myself, and I. But God says, hey, when you actually take your eyes off yourself, you look to me, you surrender to me, you find your identity of who you are in Christ, then suddenly, you know, life's going to become amazingly different. And um, the last part of this verse says it so well. I've come, this is Jesus talking, that they may have life and that may have it more abundantly. You know, some translations say, have it to the full. You know, what is this saying? Does God want us to, to, to sacrifice and to be boring, to be sad people? I think as Christians, we should be the happiest, most exciting people to be around on this earth. But a lot of times it's the other way around. And in a few minutes, I'm going to give a few illustrations to how that happens and I think why we fall into this trap. But I, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. So what does freedom look like? Well, everyone has to have something in their life that um, they, you know, enjoy, something that really keeps you motivated. And um, unfortunately, what stops us from seeking the good in life is all these things of the world that drag us down, that... that uh, uh, habits, um, um, addictions, um, uh, bad experiences, pain, uh, problems, you know, these are the things that stop us. And, and, and God says, hey, you know, if you come to me daily, just give those things to me. I'll, I'll help you wear it. I'll help you get through it. And I was talking to a, a person today and a couple of people actually today who have recently lost loved ones. You know, not, not an easy thing. That's, that's painful. That's hard. But God says, hey, I don't want you to mope around for the rest of your life. Sure, there's a time of grief, a time for mourning, but there's also a time to get over and to become a person that's looking to Jesus and that's sharing you know, the three things really about being a Christian is that we pray, we read the word, and we share. We share what we know in Christ. And that is really all, what all, it is to be a Christian. It's so simple, but yet it's so hard. But back to the point is that we, we're all a bit messed up. I'm a bit messed up. I have lots of issues. And, um, you know, probably you could say I've got a few screws loose or my elevator doesn't go to the top floor. You know, there's some of these descriptions sometimes we use. And, and that's me. I, I don't have it all together. And I think if all of us are honest, we'll, we'll, we'll say, well, we're not perfect. We were, well, you know, just the fact that you would say that you don't have any issues, well, that in itself is Let's see if we can help each other. Because when we just keep those things um, a secret, it, it's not going to help. It's actually going to uh, bog us down. It's going to be a 
not a good thing. You know, no one knows, except really God, the depth and the intensity of your pain, of what you've been through in life that's brought you to be where you are now. Um, you know, maybe you've been bullied. Maybe you've um, suffered from addictions or habits, um, things that you're ashamed of. But, you know, no one knows, but God knows everything. And he says, hey, I want you to get past this. I don't want that to continue to hold you back. I want to free you. I want you to find this freedom. And this is what we're talking about today. Um, we so often don't do this because we're afraid of what people might think. You know, we're afraid if we tell someone, they're going to go, oh, you know, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. But you know what? As soon as you find someone in a safe way that you can actually share what you're struggling with, what you're going to find is they're going to go, huh, I struggle with that too. Or I've got this that's similar and I struggle with that, you know. And suddenly, life groups, we want to do more than just studying God's Word. We want to actually be connecting, building community. And some of our life groups are more, you know, I'm part of a jet ski group. But hopefully by being part of that jet ski group, you know, I can connect with some guys. And we can, uh, you know, kind of have a chance to, to, to share together, maybe pray with each other, do things that, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to be free from without having that opportunity to share. So I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. I know Lockie gave you a challenge last week with the Sabbath, but I want to give you a challenge this week too. If you're not part of a group or, um, you know, a, a, any life group, uh, I want to challenge you to, to, to don't put it off. We've got some brochures out of the help desk. Grab one of those brochures, take it home. I've got stacks of them left over from our expo, of our life group expo. And take one home, look through it, pray about it, ask God, well, which one of these? Because every quarter we're starting life groups and we finish them, the next quarter we have more. So all you have to do is commit to, I'll try this one for a quarter. Maybe that one's not the right one. Maybe the people aren't there aren't really where you feel like you're connecting. But don't give up. Try a different one. Because this is really the way Jesus operated. He worked in community. And he had the closest disciples, and then he had his bigger group of 12. And of course, through that, he ministered to hundreds and thousands. And um, these are some of the things that Jesus said. He says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, what is the truth? Well, we'll go to the next verse here in John 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus' word is truth. And we need to ground ourselves in this truth. You know, the word sanctified is a fairly... Um, I guess religious term, but really just means to be made holy or to be made perfect. And God says, hey, I want all of us to be sanctified by our journey in life. And, and God can't really sanctify us by us being held back with sin and habits and addictions and secrets and things that we aren't working on and allowing God to help us overcome. God wants to free us. What does that look like? Well, I'm just going to share a couple stories very quickly. Um, actually, I don't have these scriptures up. And in John chapter 4, there's a story uh, where Jesus, I'm not sure where the disciples were. I think they maybe were having a bit of R&R. &R. And Jesus wandered off to a place where a well was. And a well in, 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 um, 
in towns where, like, that was a, a gathering place. They didn't have taps in their homes, and so everyone came in to collect water. Well, Jesus went to this well, and there was a woman there on her own, and um, he asked her to collect some water from her. Well, he, he kind of did two things. Well, one, this woman was a Samaritan. Now, you think there's racism or, 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 or divisions between people. This is really the Samaritans and the Jews, that they were as racist as you could be. You know, they didn't like each other, they didn't like hanging out with each other, they didn't want anything to do with each other. And here Jesus is reaching out to the Samaritan woman. So there's two things. One, that she's Samaritan. Second, she's a woman. And, um, you know, it wasn't something that a man would normally do, especially ask a woman to do something for her. But Jesus did this. And um, he, as he did, he began talking to her. Now, this is the key point, and if there's nothing else you take home, I want you to remember this, that we need to connect before we correct, okay? Can that be the take-home phrase for today? We need to connect before we correct. We're so good at pointing the finger and saying, hey, you, you shouldn't be doing this, or you shouldn't be doing that, or you should do this, and you should do that. But no one's going to listen to us until we connect with them. And this was Jesus' method, and this is what Jesus did with this woman. And, um, you know, he, he got chatting with her, and he found out um, um, that, you know, she, she'd had several husbands, and um, the man she currently was with wasn't, they weren't married, and yet Jesus didn't leave her alone. He loved her and accepted her, befriended her, connected with her, and it, it impacted her life. And that woman's life was never the same. And if we as Christians can get better at that, so that when we leave this church and we go out and do our things, whatever we do during the week in our workplaces or to our neighbors and to people who we cross the paths of, if we can start making efforts to connect, not correct, but connect, that's the starting point. And there's a great writer here in, uh, named uh, Ellen G. White, and she, she says this about Christ's method. It says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them to follow me. You see all the steps he went through before he goes trying to correct. And even then, I don't think he went around pointing fingers. He just showed them love and tried to be a model. And that's one of the reasons we need to be free. We need to find freedom as Christians so that people can say, wow, how can you be free? You know, I know you've been through that and been through this. You, you struggle with that addiction or you have this problem. How did you get through that? And that's our opportunity. The door's open then. You can say, hey, I couldn't have done it without God's help. It's because I know God. Because I know God right here that I'm able to work through this. There's another story where um, a Pharisee and a tax collector, and tax collectors, as we know, were not very well liked. And they went into the temple to pray one day, and this one Pharisee stood at the front and kind of quoted all the good things, how good he was. And the Bible says that in the back was this, this tax collector. Couldn't even look up, and he just beat his chest and said how unworthy he was. And Jesus says, this man, the tax collector, went away justified. You know, again, the message here is, our attitude when we come to God is so important. 
If we ever think we can earn anything or deserve it ourselves, we are off track. We can't. We just accept what we've got. The salvation is a free gift. But see, the next step, finding freedom, is actually then allowing us to live life and live it to the full. Live it more abundantly. God says, hey, I want to free you so you can actually enjoy life. Not have all these burdens weighing you down and keep you from going places and doing things and sharing your faith. So a lot of these things, it's not a matter of, you know, whether I'm going to heaven or going to hell. It's a matter of, well, if you've accepted Christ, if you know God, you're going to heaven. That's a promise. But do you want to live a life where you're continuing to be bound by sin? Sin is like, like chains. You know, as our flesh gets, gets sucked into. It seems so harmless. But it's such a trap. And, you know, there's, there's three things, really, that cause these. One is we cause a lot of stuff on ourselves. You know, as we look at our, our past and we... We make decisions that are wrong, and, and, and you know, we, we do it to ourselves. But there's other things that happen to us, you know, that we um, don't have any control over. You know, there, it could be someone's done something to us. We don't have any control over that. Someone's hurt us. Someone's abused us, whatever it might be. And then there's the third one, which really I think is, is the crucial one, is that we are all part of a spiritual conflict, okay? We're all part and I'm not saying this because I want to spook you out. But I'm telling you, there is a spiritual war going on between good and evil. We often refer to it in the Adventist church as the great controversy. Um, or how did they say the great um, contrastive or something? You know, how do you pronounce it? But controversy is the way I say it. But this battle is going on. There is a, a realm that we don't see. You know, and, and the evil one's so sly. He's so sneaky. And he sucks you in. And he traps you. And that's what this finding freedom's all about. It's about saying, hey, God's the only one that can free you from this. You know, in the last stories in John 15 where the woman was caught in adultery and dragged out to Jesus. You know, and this woman, her sin, she, she, she could be put to death. That's how serious it was. And Jesus went out there, kind of to her, went to her rescue, again, right in the sand. And, you know, we, we, we think that it's most likely she, he was writing the sins of those who were her accusers. And they all scattered off until it was just Jesus and this woman. And Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? Okay, I don't condemn you. Now, this is the God we serve. This is the God that says, hey. You know, and he said, go and, 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 and live a life that's not full of sin. Now, this, this is the point I want to make for all these stories. You know, the, the tax collector, the, the woman at the well, and this woman caught in adultery. When they went away and had this encounter with Jesus, do you think that suddenly they became perfect? Do you think that suddenly that they totally found freedom? You know, we don't know, but I, I, my guess is that they continued to have issues. But they, that, that Jesus impacted their lives and began to work in their lives and they began to help, and, and God began to help them work through their issues. And, and, and they got over it because Jesus touched their life. Has Jesus touched your life? 
You know, I can think back and I can tell you time and time again that Jesus has touched my life. But I need him to touch it right now. I still got issues. I got problems. And without Jesus, I'm going I'm to not have fine freedom. I want freedom. And I hope you do too. And I want to close with a story I have told in this church before. But it is one of my favorite stories when it comes to really an example of what really being free is about. And this is a story that's something that being a boy from Alabama, I'm not real proud of, but Alabama's got a long history of, of slavery of black people. And um, you know, a lot of horrible things happened. And in this time of slavery in American history, there in Alabama, they would treat black people like they were merchandise and they'd sell them like they were property. And there was a, a man, a big, strong slave, his name was Joe. And Joe was a hard worker and worked for many, many years as a slave, just doing whatever he had to do to survive. And Joe, as he was getting older, his owner could see that Joe was getting towards the end of being, really being valuable to him. He says, I'm going to go and I'm going to sell him while I can still get some from him because I, I, I'm sensing a bit of an attitude with Joe. And so he goes to where the auctions and they auction off people like they were cars or something. And, and Joe got up on the auction block and, and, and Joe was fed up with it. He says, I've had enough of being a slave. And he, he was mumbling while he was up on the auction block, I won't work. I won't work. And his owner was, oh, so please be quiet, Joe. I'm trying to get some money out of you. And Joe mumbled and no one seemed to be wanting to buy Joe. But there was a man in the back. And the man in the back put up his hand, and he made a bid, and he bought Joe. And Joe went out, and he continued to mumble as he left with his new owner that, oh, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm not going to work anymore for the slave. I've had it. And as I began to go on the horse and buggy, and they ended up in this amazing plantation, this long driveway with trees on both sides, and this huge plantation house. And along the back was this lovely cottage. Joe and took him into his cottage and said, Joe, this is for you. Joe had never slept on a bed in his life. This, this place had a, a beautiful bed. But Joe continued to say, I won't work. I won't. I won't be a slave anymore. And the real powerful part of this story is that this new owner didn't buy Joe to make him work anymore. He says, Joe, you don't understand I didn't buy you to make you work as a slave. He says, I bought you to set you free. Once that something that sunk into Job's heart, Job fell down on his knees. He says, Master, I will serve you forever. Folks, when we realize what Jesus has done for us, he's done it to set us free. I hope you will.